Greetings and welcome to episode number 59 of the Chirping the Cats podcast. I'm your host, David Dwork, and look, we're here. The new season is here. The Panthers have now played four games as I record this. Uh, a lot has happened over the first week or two of the season through those four games, and uh, we're going to get into all that on the podcast. We're going to talk about some of the big stories, injuries uh, that have popped up. I'm going to go through a bunch of the players, give you my thoughts and analysis, and analysis <laughs> on a bunch of them, and uh, talk about some of the uh, special teams. Just go through kind of everything that I've been taking notes on for the last couple of weeks uh, here on the first uh, official podcast of the 2022-23 regular season. We'll start with the big topic, which is the injuries that have popped up this week. First, uh, there was the upper body injury to Brandon Montour. He has missed two games now because of it, but the hope is that he will return uh, at least for the next game. Uh, We'll see what happens when we get to the morning state for the Friday game, which I think is, uh, is it Tampa? I don't even know. It's so hard to keep track of the, uh, the Panthers' schedule. Uh, from game to game. Here, I'm going to check for you real quick in real time here. Uh, let's see. Friday's game is... Yeah, it's Tampa. Okay. And then they wrap up the homestand uh, on Sunday against the Islanders, placing the Islanders twice in the first two weeks. That's a fun little quirk of the schedule. But anyway, so Brandon Montour out two games so far. Hopefully he'll be back Friday. Uh, team's calling it an upper body injury. He did practice at the team's morning state before the home opener against the Flyers. Looked fine on the ice. Obviously, they're taking uh, they're going to take a delicate situation where you know they're taking their time. They don't want to rush it. It's early in the season, uh, and compounded by the injury to Aaron Ekblad, which uh, appeared to occur during Florida's uh, road game in Boston. Uh, he left late in the second period. Didn't return. Uh, he is now out with a lower body injury. He was placed on long term IR, which means he has to miss a minimum of ten games and. 24 days not one or the other it's got to be both so if those 10 games happen in three weeks time you still got to wait the extra few days um and if they games are all spaced out and 10 games over 30 days you got to wait those 10 games so either way we're going to be uh without Aaron Ekblad for at least uh let's see if I do the math the next one would be I think November 12th against Edmonton is when uh, those two uh, the 10 games and 24 games would be satisfied so that would be if you would count the Flyers game. That's let's see, two, four, six, eight, ten. That'd be twelve games. Uh, that'd be eleven games. The Oilers game would be twelve. Um, so either way, hopefully that's all that it's going to be with Ekblad. Bill Zito did say uh, on before the home opener that he does not think it's a long-term thing. Expects Ekblad to return at one hundred percent when the time comes. Um, you know, definitely wasn't sounding off any alarm bells, right? So, you know, hopefully it gives Ekblad a chance to get right. He, you know, honestly, I didn't think he had looked his usual elite self the first few games of the year. Um, His advanced metrics were the worst on the team at the time of the injury, which is very un-Ekblad-like. You know, I I wonder if the injury was something that happened in Boston, if it was something nagging that maybe got extra aggravated in Boston. You know, we don't know. They're not going to divulge a whole lot of information when it comes to the injuries. And to be honest, we don't really like to ask too much. I don't like to get into the injury stuff with these guys. If they're hurt, they're out. That's it. They'll be back when they're back. Uh, 
I think it would hurt more than it would help when you're starting to reveal information about players' injuries because guess what? It's not just you awesome podcast listeners that are hearing about it. It's other teams. It's other players, other coaches. And when they know, hey, this guy's got a fucked up shoulder or this guy's hand is hurt or whatever, uh, you know, it might put a little target. So let's just uh, collectively hope that it is what Bill Zito said on the short end uh, the short-term end, and that we see Ekblad back in the Panthers lineup uh, sometime next month. Now, uh, as I said about, so, uh, we mentioned briefly Brandon Montour. I do was, just want to touch on that he had been playing really well before the injury. So hopefully, uh, he is you know a full participant in their next practice. They'll be at the, there'll be a morning skate uh, before the Lightning game on Friday. So we would expect to see him there since we saw him before at the morning skate before the uh, light or the Flyers game. Uh, and yeah, he's been solid five on five. The advanced metrics back that up. He's looked really confident, comfortable uh, running the power play one point. Uh, I did like how the power play looked. Uh, we'll talk about this a little bit later in the pod um, with Aaron Ekblad as kind of the rover. Now they're going to have to make some adjustments. So we'll get into that. Um, but yeah, Montour hopefully be back soon. Give the Panthers a little bit of, of relief on that back end. They did call up uh, Matt Kierstead and Lucas Carlson, they both played in the home opener. And, you know, honestly, we're fine. Um, the Panthers, it's going to be, it's going to be an, I don't know, a different odd. I'm trying to think of the right, the right phrasing here, but I mean, it's not just Florida that's having these cap issues this year. It's something that is, it's not lead wide, but there's certainly several teams that are having to navigate a very tight cap situation. Florida was not the only team that uh, went into the year with just 20 guys in their roster. Now it's at 21 because Ekblad going on IR, long-term on IR, gives them uh, temporary, some temporary relief, as does, you know, they they did have to skate with only 19 guys in Boston. So there there are different tools that are built into the cap to allow teams in these situations to still be able to maintain, play, field a roster. Um, So we'll see how it plays out. Uh, I mentioned Tierstead, who started the year on um, season opening IR. He had to be added to the Charlotte roster, and then he was called back up. It was kind of a lot of paperwork, because I think, as far as I've seen, he's been with the team, the Panthers, the whole time. He never went to, to Charlotte. He, If he did, he was there extremely briefly, but I, I'm thinking he's been with the team the, this whole time. Um, now, watching Florida, watching the Panthers, moving on from the injury stuff now, watching them play, the first, you know, four games, right? What have we noticed? We haven't seen this run and gun style that we grew accustomed to last season. Uh, it's not odd man rushes back and forth, back and forth, uh, edge of your seat type of action. The Panthers are playing a, a much heavier game, uh, imposing their physical will, if you will, uh, a lot more. It's built into their game more than it was just a byproduct of you know where the puck was last season. It's more responsible. The wingers, I feel like, are a lot more involved, especially in the defensive zone. Just not not necessarily going below the circles, keeping to the outside. A lot of the game is played along the boards, and the Panthers are putting an emphasis on winning those battles, uh, particularly in the D zone, and, and really cutting back on chances. And that's what we've seen. And really, the third period of each of the wins, the, the Boston game was you know trying to come back. They did briefly. It was exciting. But the victories they've had so far... Uh, tight third periods, 
not giving up many chances. The Flyers did that that late garbage time goal with like, you know, what two seconds left or whatever it was. But the Panthers in the third period have been just through four games. You're seeing a difference. Uh, you're seeing what Paul Maurice is trying to do. One thing that I like in terms of the way that they're approaching the offensive play is that they're not afraid to get the pucks in deep. Uh, it's not just strictly a possession game where you're trying to keep it at all times. You're trying to tire out the other team chasing you around. Now, they're not afraid to just put the puck down low and go to work, push the bodies, kind of impose that element of the game, which I like because the Panthers have some big, tough physical players up front. They, you know, aside from Matthew Kachuk, Barkov's a big guy. Carter Verhage is tenacious as hell when he's on the ice. Sam Reinhardt is a big guy. There's just up and down the lineup. Uh, lots of physical players. And Paul Maurice is putting them to work. And so far, I've really liked what I've seen. The Panthers, uh, they, you know, they weren't fun to play last year because they'll, they, you know, they blow you out scoring-wise, but you'd get chances. There'd be opportunities there. This year, uh, it's a small sample size, but I liked what I've seen in terms of what we didn't like from the playoffs last year, what went wrong, what they didn't have to offer. It's not going to be an issue. I, I want to continue to see how it develops because obviously we're just seeing the scratching of the surface. You know, they're still implementing and learning these systems and, you know, committing where they need to be, learning their landmarks, committing that kind of stuff to muscle memory. I think as the year goes on, uh, we'll get an even more clear picture of what Paul Maurice wants to see from his team. And, and as I said, so far, I'm liking it. Um, so now I want to get into talking about a few players, particularly that uh, just, you know, guys I've been taking notes on, things I've seen, what I've liked, what I don't like, yada, yada, yada. Uh, the first guy I want to get to is uh, Rudolph Balsares. Uh Just impressive. Like, not necessarily the flashiest of guy, but he's been playing well in all three zones. We knew he had offensive upside. He's got really good vision from what I've seen. A quick shot, not afraid to go to his backhand, which we saw him score a gorgeous backhand goal uh, in the Flyers game, the home opener. His defensive play has been extremely good. He's smart in his own zone. He doesn't get lost. He's never out of position from what, you know, what I've seen. He's constantly moving his feet, knows where to be, head on a swivel, just the things you want to see. Uh, back checking has been Verhage-esque in just that tenacity element of it. And again, a lot of these things, I don't like to, I like to examine possession metrics and advanced numbers just as not necessarily the end all be all, but that is a complimentary to the eye test. And with Balsairs, his possession metrics have been some of the best on the team so far. So just a lot to like from this guy. And again, fitting in nicely. Wherever he's been asked to play, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get more special teams time if he continues to play responsibly the way he has. Um, yeah, just fun to watch. I'm excited to see what it continues to grow. Because again, he's another young guy. And speaking of young guys, the newest defenseman that the Panthers brought in, Josh Mahora. Uh, you, we've seen Bill Zito pull this move before with Gus Forsling. And that has, you know, been a grand slam home run. Mahura threw a, a four games. Like, yeah. Right? Been pretty darn solid. Uh, one thing that I've liked about Mahura, one thing that we've all noticed, this kid can skate, man. Like, 
He's got wheels. He's quick transitions. He's good on his edges. Uh, it's a quick, smooth motion when he's moving. Just uh, that's a great place to start. Uh, at, at times, at first, he you know appeared to fight the puck. I feel like it's happened a little bit less uh, in Boston and then in f- the Flyers game. His advanced metrics again great. And when Bill Zito spoke to us uh, before the Flyers game, I asked him particularly like. You know, we've seen you do this before with defensemen. We saw how good of a fit Gus Forsling was. What did you see in Mahora that led you to want to bring him on as a waiver claim? And he's, Zito basically said he fits right in with what we're trying to do. He can move the puck. He can skate. He can play both ends of the ice. Look, when it's a waiver claim, there's always like that feeling of like, well, you know, he's waived already. So what can there be? Can it be that good? Usually uh, it's nothing special when a waiver claim happens. We But we've seen, again, with Forsling how you can find diamonds in the rough. And through four games, like this kid looks like he can play and he could be like your mainstay on the back end for the Panthers. I don't see, you know, like the call-ups. I know you guys love Lucas Carlson and he has been a solid player, but Josh Mahora, I think he's kind of surpassed everybody on the depth chart. He's maybe right now with Ekblad out, your number three defenseman. From what I've seen, I mean, you know, Montour will be back. You'll have Forsling, you'll have Montour, you'll have Gudis, but then it's Mahora. And he's right there. So, again, it's all small sample size. It's all grain of salt and all that good stuff. But I've really liked what I've seen from him so far. For a guy that got picked up on waivers at the very beginning of the season, he's, yeah, he's passed the eye test so far. Uh, let's see. Next, uh, let's see. Let's talk about Sasha Barkov. Let's talk about the captain. I, there's not a whole lot here that I have on Barkov. Um, still blows my mind how he looks like a freaking monster with his wingspan sometimes. Like, this takes up so much real estate. One thing that's, uh, I've noticed a couple of times, and it's, you know, it's same old, same old with Barky. Still looks too passive at times. There was one play that, that stand, that stands out in my head from the Buffalo game, where there was a loose puck in front of Linus Olmark, the Sabres goalie, that came right onto Barkov's stick. And if he, like, right on the doorstep, right on the crease, if he makes a quick move, he can probably put it behind the goalie just because it's Barkov and we know how fast his hands are and how good he is around the net. But his instinctual move, instead of to do that, was to instantly look for passing the puck off. And it went from a loose puck, unsuspecting on the top of the crease, to along the boards looking to make perfect passing. And it was like, that's not the time. And again, with Barkov, like, he's so good. It's hard to criticize just because he does so many things right. But again, as he grow, and we've seen him get a little bit more aggressive as the years have gone by and looked a little bit more towards the net. Maybe it's early in the season and he's got to kind of get his feet under him again. But those are the kind of plays where I, it will be, you know, a little frustrating just because we know of what he can bring and what he can do around the net. So I, I'd really like to see that aggression come up from Barkov. But again, at the end of the day, it's still Sasha Barkov, and he's still, you know, top 10 player in this league. Um, sticking with the frustration element, let's talk about Sam Reinhart for a second. Uh, he's always in the right position, right? He's always in a good spot, whether it's in the O zone, whether it's in the D zone. He's just a smart player. Uh, and the puck continues to find him in high-danger areas, and obviously a byproduct of being... Uh, 
you know, being the bumper had been the bumper in the power play, but you know, obviously around the net on a line with Barkov and for to start the season. So there's going to be chances, but this dude cannot buy a goal. He could spend every penny that he's made in the NHL. He cannot buy a goal yet. Empty nets, posts, uh, you know, puck bouncing over a stick, a great save. Like just, it's all happening to Sam Reinhardt. And you know, it's, what can you do? Like, you know, he's going to break through. He's always around the buck, always in right spots. He's not one point through four games. Like, really? There's got to be more. He's, what is he, second or third on the team with 11 shots on goal. Um, I'm sure you can guess who's number one on basically every stat with the team so far. And that's Matthew Kachucky Cheese Kachuk. Um but yeah, I think Sam Reinhardt, it's just frustrating. Hopefully he doesn't, he just continues to play his game. No need to start gripping the stick any tighter or anything like that. But, um, you know, he's, you figure he's going to get going at some point. But it's been a little frustrating for him and for all of us watching. Uh, one guy it's not been frustrating is uh, Itu Lusterainen. Uh, you, you know, you guys have seen on Twitter, I've kind of gotten to the Itu and on. It's because I've really gotten on Itu's bandwagon. Uh, very excited about his trajectory. He showed up to camp uh, in great shape, as re- really everybody did. It, it, Paul Maurice talked about the uh, the reports he got from the uh, like the physical testing and and that kind of stuff that they do early in camp. He said they were off the charts, and Lusterinen was uh, certainly one of those guys. Uh, you can see that the offensive skill is showing up a little bit more and a little bit more, and he's getting a little bit more involved. You're seeing him like go towards the net, trying to make moves, which means his confidence is growing and he's feeling comfortable having more of a leader-type role when he's with the puck. Um, I would like to see more of that. I'd like to see him put more of an emphasis on getting the puck to the net. Um, But again, what we're seeing this year, it's building on what we saw last year, and this is an incredibly solid two-way player. Uh, That's what he brought to the table, was how good he was in all three zones, not making big mistakes in the right spot, making those little stick Stick lifts, the poke checks, doing the little things right, like the Gus Forsling type things that you don't always get talked about. Lusterinen is definitely that guy as a forward. Another one whose possession metrics are off the charts so far this season. Some of the best on the team. Uh, just nothing but positivity with Lusterinen. Uh, again, I just want to see maybe some more shots, maybe some more continuing growing that confidence in the offensive zone. But yeah, uh, one of the big bright spots so far this year. Now, one person that we've talked about kind of keeping an eye on is Sam Bennett, just because he, you know, the resurgence of his career and coming back with the Panthers and looking great and all that. Um, But how much of that was a byproduct of playing alongside Jonathan Huberto, who he had amazing chemistry from with right off the bat. So that's something, okay, is that going to struggle now that Jonathan Huberto is gone? Well, so far it hasn't. Uh, He's looked just as effective on the, on the line with Kachuk and Balsers. Um... Obviously, that's a good thing. But is it going to keep up? That's what we'll have to wait and see. Uh, there has been some chem... It looks like he's developing some chemistry with uh, Balsares, which is nice. They had that nice little... Uh, that The goal that Balsares scored was off a nice little feed from Bennett, uh, drawing two players in, seeing Balsares go to the net, instantly getting the puck there. It was just one of those things that happens when you're getting familiar with a guy and you know their tendencies and four games in it was good to see that kind of a play from them uh you know with Bennett his his time with the Panthers has been solid streaky 
at times, but certainly better than the last few years he was in Calgary. You just want to see that continue. Obviously, when you play in a line with uh, a guy like Matthew Tuchuk, that makes things easier. But to see him developing the chemistry early on with uh, Rudy Balsers, it's encouraging. And so far, you know, on the, on the Sam Bennett watch, we're going to keep an eye on it. But so far, uh, yeah, two thumbs up. Uh, Anton Lindell, our, the Panthers' third line center at the, at the moment. Uh, what I've seen from him this year is his vision continues to be off the charts. The way that he sees the ice and can make plays for somebody as young as, I mean, for anybody, but especially for somebody as young as him, uh, it, it just blows my mind sometimes with some of the passes and the plays he makes. If his confidence continues to, dr- to grow, which it absolutely should, you would expect with most young guys his age, but if his confidence continues to grow with the puck, just look out for some of the plays that he's going to make. Like we were calling him Baby Barkov last year. If that continues to grow, woof. As uh, the great Glenn Quagmire would say, giggity. Um, I would like to see, kind of with the same with Lusterinen, I'd like to see Lindell stand out a bit more instead of just flashing here or there. But again, he's still learning. He's still just 21 years old. He has less than an NHL season of experience under his belt. He only played, what was it, like 65 games, I think it was last year. So the trajectory is there. Uh, I would just, uh, I'd like to see more than just flashing. Uh, I'd like to see it more consistent and again it's not super easy when you're only getting like 16 17 minutes of ice time a game which is what Lindell has been getting so far but there's reasons to be excited about Anton Lindell there's reasons that this kid is viewed across the league as somebody to to keep an eye on and we will certainly continue to do that but uh, so far it's been fun now I I have mentioned Lustrinen and Lindell but not yet their line mate uh, New Panther Colin White who uh Quietly, he's got a point per game, four points in four games, including a pair of goals. Uh, what I like about Colin White is he always seems to be in the right spots, whether it's offensively, defensively. He doesn't get caught out of position very often that I've seen at all. Um, and another guy who I just think would benefit from more of a nose for the net. Uh, it's it's as, off, as much of the offensive opportunities that the Panthers are creating, pucks on net, is it only helps things, especially... You see guys like Balsers, I think, not afraid to take one-timers. Uh, love the one-timers just because you never know. Goalies are watching the play, right? They're watching things develop in front of them. They can see you know, when a passing play is developing. They can see cycling developing. And if you're throwing pucks at the net at moments where the goalie is not expecting it, only good things will happen. Even if he gets a stick or a pad down, it makes a save. Maybe the rebound is going to go in a different spot because they weren't necessarily ready to face a shot in that moment. So guys like Colin White, who only has six shots on goal through four games, I'd like to see a little bit more of that. And that line in particular, uh, tons of skill. Let's get some more pucks to the net. Uh, Shifting to the back line here for a second, let's talk about Mark Stahl. Uh, First, a positive. Second on the team in in hits behind Radko Gudis. A physical, imposing presence, not afraid to throw his body around. Uh, it's clear those are the attributes he brings to the game. Now, the defensive play, particularly in the own, in his own zone, a mixed bag, to put it nicely. Uh, obviously, there's been a few poor plays that have stood out, whether it was losing his footing on the first shift and our... Well, yeah, I think that, that may have been Forsling, actually, now that I think about it. It was Stahl that lost his footing on... Was it the first game? Uh, I... There's been a couple of times where he's gotten beat around around the edge. Just not really as fleet a foot as you'd like to see. And again, he's a veteran. He's been around 
for a long, long time. He's 36 years old. Uh, I'd like to see the attributes that he does well, the physical element of his game, the shot blocking, blocks a lot of shots. Uh, again, physical with the hits. You like to see more of that and just a little bit more responsible in his own end. There's been some good moments. The problem is the bl- the bad ones have been glaring, and that's what people remember, and that's what stands out. Obviously, the coaching staff, they're looking at more of a full picture, and they're going to see the good and the bad. The thing is, is he just adjusting to a new system? Are these you know, defensive lapses things that will persist? We're going to have to wait and see. Uh, right now, the Panthers are kind of stuck with the, the defense that they have in place. Now, when everybody's healthy, the cap is going to play a part in that as well. So with Mark Stahl, you just got to hope that it's th- those moments start getting fewer and far between. Uh, the Panthers are, you know, as we've seen, they're not a team that's going to blow teams out of the water with five, six goals every game. So those mistakes that lead to scoring chances that can lead to goals, they'll hurt you that much more with a team like this. And, and again, something that I'm sure the coaching staff and, and Stahl himself are aware of. And it's only been four games. I am not, you know, casting him aside and saying that it's a bust and all that at this point. There, there's way too much hockey to be played. But so far, there have been reasons for concern. Again, good things that are that are coming, but at the end of the day, got to clean some of that up. All right, let's talk about the power play. The power play has been really fun to watch. Uh, it's in a transitional period right now with, with losing Aaron Ekblad. As I said earlier, I like the idea of having Ekblad as a floater, and I think that's what they'll go back to uh, when everybody's healthy. Because his, his skills are so great. He's got that quick shot, a bomb of a shot. If you're getting it from closer to the faceoff circles from, instead of the point, that much better. Uh, you get Montour at the point. He looked very solid and very comfortable up there running it. He's got a good slap shot. He knows how to get it through. He can move the puck quickly. You know, he's got great hands. So I, you know, while there were two D on that power play, it wasn't really like two D because Ekblad wasn't playing like the D. Uh, but now it's gonna things are gonna change. With uh, what was it with both of them out? Uh, well, first Montour went out, so they slid Patrick Hornquist to the first power play. They moved things around. He was playing bumper. Uh, Reinhardt was on the wing. Ekblad was up top. Uh, Colin White was ending some time on power play too. But then Ekblad went out, which gave Josh Mahora some power play time. Looked good. Again, just a lot to like about this kid so far. Um, and again, it's good that the Panthers have options depending who is in and out of the lineup. Uh, it's going to, you know, Forsling's obviously going to get some, he gets his power play two time. And I think they're just kind of sticking with him there. We saw the Panthers using five forwards on the power play, which, uh, look, if it works, it works. Uh, Sam Bennett was getting some minutes there with the top power play unit along with uh, Kachuk, Barkov, Reinhardt, and uh, who was the fifth? Oh, and Hornquist. So, you know, so far, um, what are they, two of 18 now, I think? It's not, you know, not exactly uh, blowing blowing your uh, head off with these great power play numbers, but between the fluidity, guys being in and out of the lineup, and they are getting a lot of good looks. You know, to their credit, it's not like it was during the playoffs last year where they you know, are having trouble even getting zone time. Uh, it's one of those where if they continue to get the looks that they've been getting, you think they're going to break through at some point. And on the flip side, in terms of special teams, the penalty kill has been spectacular. Uh, you know, they've, what are they, 14 of 16 so far. Uh, what just stands out to me is the shot blocking, whether it's, you know, guys like Forsling on the back end, 
the forwards jumping up. Anton Lindell has got a ton of shot blocks already this season. Uh, and that's a big part of the PK. Uh, that along with the hustle. So um, special teams, it, it's... I guess, yeah, I guess in the just like I said about Mark Stahl, it's it's kind of a mixed bag to this point. But there's a lot of a lot of things to be excited about with the power play, and uh, and the penalty kill, as I said, has been lights out so far. And I mentioned Gus Forsling. I, I just want to quickly mention just how happy I've been with his play. Like he's become a force on both ends of the ice. I, I mentioned a couple of times just how great he is at blocking shots and how important and integral. Uh, of a part he's playing on the penalty kill now and again continues to just improve like it's not he's yet to plateau the 26 year old and he's at that age where you know you can still get into your prime years um he's just continued to get better and flourish with the panthers you would think that his ice time's gonna go up a bit with Ekblad out how much uh, maybe not a lot because he was already on that top pairing and he's already getting special teams time anyway uh, maybe now it's just the importance of those minutes goes up because he's now going to be relied on as the guy He's probably the Panthers' number one defenseman right now with Ekblad out. And uh, fortunately for the Panthers, he's played like a number one D, and now he's going to have a bit more of that spotlight on him. How it plays out, I would expect it to continue to uh, to be a good situation for the Panthers and for Forsling because it's been nothing but in the time he's been here. Okay, uh, a couple more things before we wrap it up. Uh, let's see. We'll save the goalie talk for the last thing. Before I get to the goalie talk, I do want to mention the fourth line, uh, which has been Nick Cousins centering Ryan Lomberg and Patrick Hornquist. You know, Hornquist got a goal in the first game. He's had several good looks around the net. What I love about Patrick Hornquist is he's so consistent when he's on the ice. Uh, you know, the, the energy level is always there, but he's looked really good, particularly on the power play so far. And he, as I said, he's bounced around between the first unit and the second unit. Um, and he just looks invigorated, you know, whether it was just the early season and he's got tons of juice, whatever it be. Uh, Patrick Hornquist has been great so far this year. I know, you know, the Panthers explored possibly trading him because of his 5 million plus cap hit. Um, but for, for a guy that's got the big hit that you were maybe looking to, to dump off at some point, he has, uh, he's playing at a level where you're not like, well, at least he's not playing like crap. At least he's playing well, at least he's earning his contract. You know, the, Maybe not $5 million worth, but again, solid. Just, what, what can you say? He's here, his contract is here, and at least he's playing really well and doing it. Uh, now, what I wonder about that line, you know, Lomberg, Cousins, both may be interchangeable. You know, Lomberg, you'd like to see him earn an everyday role. You would think that Hornquist playing with Cousins and Lomberg would lead to more chances just because there's an offensive upside from all three. Uh, you know that the line is going to be a pest and a pain in the ass to play against, you know, especially when they're matched up against other teams' bottom six, just because the talent and the physicality, uh, they're just not going to be easy to handle for, you know, particularly for guys that play 10, 12 minutes a game. Uh, Cousins, I've yet to really see anything that spectacular, good or bad, from Nick Cousins, which tells me that he's doing his job. Steady, but not spectacular, right? Uh, the only thing that I've kind of noted a couple of times uh, on the on the bad side of this line, not the bad side, but the negative side, whatever, is I'd like to see the communication. I feel like the communication in the D zone uh, could be a little bit better. And again, these are guys that haven't really played a whole lot together. You know, Lombard and Hornquist played a bit last year. Um, but overall, just very solid fourth line. It's just going to be like, 
when the Panthers do get some roster flexibility, if and when that happens, are, are any of these guys are not Hornquist, but I, you know, would Lombard or Cousins be potentially a healthy scratch or a you know replacement candidate? I mean, at this point, it's moot because there's no bodies to replace them with, but something to kind of keep in the back of your head as we get further down the season. Um, all right, and finally, quickly, there's not a whole lot to get into, but you know, goalie talk. Uh, happy to report that Sergei Bobrovsky has picked up right where he left off last year. He's looked really solid. He's making the the high end saves, the spectacular saves. The cheapies aren't getting through nearly as much as they used to. Uh, you know, along the ice, I feel like is always going to be kind of his Achilles heel. It's gotten a lot better. Um, but you know, I, I think if he's going to get beat, odds are more goals are probably going to slide along the ice between his legs than anywhere else. And, and they've happened less and less, which is fine. His body control has been tight. He's locked in. He just looks really comfortable in the crease. His rebound control, which has been an issue over the years, has been very good this year so far. Uh, shots often, like what you're looking for with rebound control, you guys, is not letting the puck fall in front of you, not having it go back into the, into the, to the slot area where there's usually a lot of players. You want to put the puck where... There's nobody. I mean, ideally, you want to put it in the corners. You want to keep it. You want to suck it in and you earn a whistle. Those are the main things. But, like, again, when, when I hesitate to talk about the slot area, it's just because it's not like a black or white rule. If everybody's bunched over to the goalie's right and there's nobody in the faceoff circle right in front of you, go ahead, stick the rebound out there because nobody's there to grab it and stick it behind you. It's, it's being very observant. It's tough, obviously. Um, but so far, it's it's been some some really positive signs from Sergey Bobrovsky that he's continuing to play on that very high level that he uh, played at for most of the last season and throughout the playoffs. Uh, Spencer Knight, he did start the the one game so far in Buffalo, mixed bag with Knight. Angles were a little off at times. Uh, I thought he over pushed a couple of times, which caught him a little bit too far out of position. Uh, that's what happened on a couple of those glove goals. The glove side goals, I thought he was pushed a little bit too quickly over to his right instead of uh, the body control, staying sport of the puck. I do think the more he plays, the more comfortable he'll get in his NHL routines. And again, getting this guy minutes will be the best thing for him. Just get him NHL experience so he can grow, he can become more comfortable, and uh, it'll benefit him You know, ultimately in the long run. Again, still super young, just 21 years old. Um, but yeah, you know, like as Bill Zito said, uh, I, I think it was during uh, an interview with uh, Steve Goldstein during a Panthers broadcast, one of the first games. He said he sleeps really well at night knowing the Panthers' situation and goal. And yeah, he's he's right too because Bob playing the way he's been playing, Spencer Knight being as young and good with a high, high, high ceiling that he has, uh, and knowing that they're both you know locked up for the next few years, you have to feel comfortable at least knowing that you've got exceptional goaltending. Uh, yeah, it's a high cap hit for two goalies, but you deal with that as you go. The salary or the uh, the the salary cap will hopefully be going up uh, in the next few years. It could go up by as much as four million, as the league reported there. Uh, maybe uh, if the players, you know, it's a lot of financial mumbo jumbo, but basically if the players escrow built up during the pandemic, and if they can get that paid off, the salary cap is going to go up, and that would be great for the Panthers. Uh, just because it gives them that much more flexibility, which they're going to need uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, but all right, uh, that covers everything I wanted to cover on uh, this episode 59 of the Chirping the Cats podcast. 
Uh, if there's any players or any topics that I didn't get to on the pod, but you're wondering about, please feel free to tweet me at David Dwork, uh, and I will do my best to answer you. Uh, and, and remember, if you're a fan of my work, you can find Written Panthers work on Local10.com, on the Local10 app. Follow me on Twitter at David's Work for all my daily coverage of the Cats now that the season's back going. You know, morning states, practices, games, all that good stuff. And uh, if you haven't already, uh, please smash the subscribe button on this podcast. Uh, leave a positive rating is always nice. Maybe even a comment or two. You know, it's a little happy information. So let's keep the, the good vibes pumping, right? But, yep, so until next time, guys, uh, everybody, please take care of yourselves. Stay safe, be kind, and as always, stay cool. See ya.